I mentioned the Twitch thing that we had talked about months ago, but never did anything with. Um, yeah. So, hmm. Twitch. Hmm. hmm. Well, so on the off weeks, we meet this day every week. Uh, we just record every other week. So next week, we're going to meet again on Tuesday, uh, same time. It, it wouldn't be hard to do a Twitch thing, mm-hmm. but what, like the, the last Tuesday, I don't even think mm-hmm. we talked much about the show. <laughs> no, talked, I don't think we did either. We, we generally uh, we, talked We did show the show topics. stuff in about 10 minutes. Yeah. And then we just BS'd for like an hour and a half. It's a little different on, on the weeks that we prepare for the topic stuff. Yeah. Um, I think we talk a lot more about the topics. Um, but when we do a distro, I mean, we know what we got to write about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had we had a good time. It would be good to stream it. Yeah, sure. yeah. So I I don't mind that at all. I think that that would um that would be fun. We I mean we've we've talked about it multiple times. I just think neither me or Dan has just been like, yeah, let me fire up OBS again. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it's not difficult. I mean, honestly, I could probably handle that. Uh, but yeah, sure. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I think it would be fun. So would y'all show up, I guess, is really the thing. Coming up in this episode, we fry the tater top, the legend of Zorin, and how we fit in. We sink some stuff, and finally, pick an empty distro. Hey, and welcome to Linux User Space. I'm Leo. And I'm Dan. And Dan, the tater top. The tater yeah. top. We have thrown it in a hot oil bath and uh, it came out crispy. Isn't that, isn't that how that worked? Pretty much. It, it, it is um, my little my little netbook here. Um, mm-hmm. It definitely an underpowered thing, so um, very much um, heated up a little bit. So I, I did some digging, and I wanted to figure out exactly how powerful your laptop was. And whoo, it's a screamer. Here, here's the deal, right? So my uh, my old 1700 was... Uh, so if you know what Passmark is, they give you a general score on, I don't know, the general usability of a particular CPU. Um, I mean, it's not too terribly useful because it's different for every, every CPU and every use case. But it gives you like, um, I don't know, uh, a, a general idea. So I think my Ryzen 7 1700 was, um, I don't know, something like 17,000, 18,000. Uh, yeah. Your your 2700 was a few yep. thousand more to that. Uh, my 5800X is in 28,000. So I mean... Yeah, it's like way up there. Big, large numbers. Big, sure. huge, large, tens, strong tens sounding... Of thousands. Right. Tens of thousands. S- strong numbers. Um, your laptop, and this was the Atom, what was it, the N? It's, a, it's an Atom N455. Uh-huh. Okay, so this, 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 this device, just a little history, it, it began its life as a Chromebook. Cute. And not just any Chromebook. It was the CR48, which was, you know, Chromium 48. So it was the original Chromebook, kind of a prototype. 
and I'll have some links that I'll drop in the show notes. So it, it reached end of support, end of software support, end of everything. Like everything. it wasn't really very, it wasn't, the, and it wasn't very supported anyway, cause it was freebie. Death. Um, and so when it reached that point, I flashed the BIOS and now I can install any Linux distro that uh, uses regular BIOS on, mm. on it. So because this thing is so fast, I have to give you a frame of reference here. So we're looking at 28,000 for the 5800X. This laptop clocks in at an amazing, astounding 162. You thought I was going to say 1,000, didn't you? Like 100,000? No. no, 162. And Not, so yeah. we we were talking Wowie. about diving yeah. into Zorn Lite, right? So we can mm -hmm. test these out. I'm like, oh yeah, you have a you have a little laptop you could do that with, and so do I. And so I was thinking, mine's in the same uh, ballpark, and generally it is. Uh, I have an in uh, thirty sixty Celeron right. that clocks in at about six hundred and fifty. The experience is probably very similar. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no kidding. Um, you got a little more RAM in yours, though. You've got uh, four, what, gigs. four gig. Yeah, four. Yeah, I've gigs only got two on gig. Two Oops. gig is all I've got. A product of the time, I think. Uh, our, yeah. our our laptops were, or these these uh, lower powered laptops were a few years apart too. So I guess oh, long yeah. enough so for 2010 is when this thing came out. Yeah, and I think 2016 is what I said mine was. So I mean, yeah. six years is long enough to chuck uh, two gigs of RAM in there for these super low end laptops. Oh, yeah. So what what have you done to this thing? You you had to do some finagling to it to to make it work. Oh yeah, for sure. Like you have to flash the BIOS because the you know it's made for Chrome Chrome OS, right? So it's it's all comes comes pre you know installed. And mm -hmm. uh, so the the internal storage on in this is not very big. Sixteen gig um, M two SATA. Mm. Well, so, well, I, I think it, that's still better than mine, though, because I'm on MMC. We're talking memory card, essentially, uh, just soldered onto the board. It is an M2, so you could change it if you if you needed to. Wow! Um, so that's kind of cool. So you could um, you could literally put a drive in there that's so fast that the CPU couldn't keep up with all the I/O. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think mine's the opposite. The CPU can handle decent stuff, like when I put a USB. Uh, something or other in there, like an S SSD or something like that. It actually does move pretty quick, but the internal 32 gig memory chip card thing, uh, it's it's terrible. I think we were getting mm -hmm. like maybe 70, 80 megabytes read. And if you're not talking random access, uh, a hard drive is faster than that. So oh, yeah. it, it's not super fast. And I think the the funniest thing about this laptop is the reason I have it is I was working um, I was working on it for a friend of a friend and mm -hmm. uh, came back and ended up saying uh, th this was during Windows 10 during their upgrades and oh, that infamous yeah. one that nuked all of your documents. Oh, that was brutal. Yeah, if you didn't have enough storage space. So I, to I told her this and, you know, all your files are gone. I can reinstall Windows for you if you want and, you know, give it back and whatever. And she was like, mm, nah, just keep it. <laughs> so, yeah. um yeah, so the infamous Windows uh, delete all your stuff uh, got me a new laptop, so I, I appreciate it, that. But I didn't have to do any of the BIOS finagling to make it, it work. It have, just it is plug and play. You just throw it in there. There's a bunch of commands you had to do and run a script and all this other stuff. I don't even remember now. It's been so long that I've mm. I've done it. Um, but I did, and you have to 
drop down into the cross shell, you know, the Chrome Chrome OS shell. Oh, see, I'm, I'm not familiar. I don't I don't know any of the Chromium Chrome based stuff. So, yep. Yep. And um, you run the shell script and uh, uh, you you have to, ha- you know, you install the BIOS. I don't even remember. I remember thinking like, yeah, I'm probably going to brick this thing, but it's not going to get any more updates. So whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's already a paperweight. So, you know, risking bricking. Pretty. Not not too bad. Yeah. And so I knew I was never going to get any more updates. So I'm like, well, what if I got to lose? And uh, yeah, there, there's some online forums. There's less stuff online about it now because it's been so long. Right. But back then, people were really hacking away at it. So yeah. it was pretty cool. I have, uh, for, for stuff like that, I have a habit of uh, knowing that I won't come back to doing it again for a couple of years. I will literally copy and paste. Firefox does an amazing mm-hmm. screenshot thing now, so I can just do that. But I would just copy and paste a text and then save it as a PDF and then yep. keep that forever. Um, I did this with my Nexus 7 tablet where it still works. The battery's still okay. I can still flash mm-hmm. ROMs on it, but no new ROM support exists. So right. I have all of the old files and all of the old instructions ready to go just in case I need to do some kind of shimmy and shake to make it work. Sure. Because it's going to be gone from the internet one day. It's going to end up on the archive. Yeah, internet archive could save it maybe, but... Maybe. And that's if you get the right snapshot at the right time to get the right page and it's linked to the right thing. And right. It's, it's, yeah, so maybe, maybe, maybe not. Luckily for me, though, I'm never going to have to do that again. So even if it gets lost, it's like no big deal. Yeah. So, I mean, now that it's flashed, I'm, I've got a fully usable, albeit old and tater top. Um, tater top. Tater top laptop. Um, that's, that's what I got. And so here's another cool thing that is pretty useless now. But <laughs> when, I, when I got this, it has a 3G modem in it. And so they gave you, you know, an allotment. I don't remember. It was like... I want to say it was like 100 meg or 200 meg, something like that, of free data every month. And uh. the idea was you, you, they wanted you to blog about it, right? They wanted you to go out and test this thing and use it, use it in the wild. Like you don't need internet. You can go anywhere and it's got its 3G, you know, modem in it. So it was kind of cool for the time. I mean, that's like nothing for data now, but. Right. Um, and 3G is super slow, right? I mean, yeah. our phones spin circles around this thing what what is that like half of a youtube video now maybe i don't know yeah <laughs> it's terrible but it was cool for the time right i mean yeah it was it was pretty neat stuff you might get 20 minutes into our show if you're watching it full quality <laughs> yeah you, uh, that's give or take <laughs> something like that yeah so um yeah uh, maybe chuck that down to 240p and maybe you get all the way through and that'd be kind of cool well, that's just it like 480 was probably kind of on the higher end of videos uh, found on youtube at the time man i look at 480 now and i just shake my head it's, oh, terrible. it's terrible it's terrible yeah <laughs> i'll agree yep but it was it was a neat uh a neat thing and uh i did i wrote a couple of things and sent them back you know as feedback and i don't know that it was it was just kind of cool experience and say what you want about google but i mean it was pretty neat oh i'll say i will say what i want about google All right, if you made it this far in and we haven't bored you to death, we've made it to the distro talk. Let's talk about Zorin OS. So we've been on Zorin for four weeks. Yeah, four uh, whole weeks. Since the last announcement uh, of this thing. And it's been good. 
I think generally it's been fairly good, but you know, you're looking at a base system of Ubuntu. So, yeah, I mean, of course, there's going to there's going to be a a good amount of support for just about everything. So, zorin.com, you're looking at a base system of Ubuntu, you're looking at currently GNOME on the Zorin Core and XFCE on Zorin Lite. Um, you're looking at files on Core and Thunar on Lite for file manager. They, uh, as as uh, well as Ubuntu, they're using Dpackage and App. They're on the hardware enablement kernel 5.11, and I suppose that'll go up to 5.13 eventually, because that's what Impish has. Yeah, and, probably uh, on the next point release. And so if if you know whenever that that's coming, I don't know. I, I lose track. I'm not yeah, good man. with release dates. One of these the release, days. I'm, you know, I'm one of the release managers, but I'm not good with dates. Yeah. Sometime in the future. Sometime in the future. Yeah. Uh, 5.13 will land there. Uh, the display manager is GDM on core and light DM on the light edition. Uh, still X11 from top to bottom, though that may change. May change in uh, once they base on 2204. I don't know. We'll see. It's It's got GNOME, so it's possible, right? Right, right. And the project leaders are, and I'm glad somebody on the internet said this before me, uh, <laughs> so I can just blame them, uh, Artyom and Kirill Zorin, uh, brothers, brothers taking all of this. And it always seems to me Artyom is the one that's the face of the yeah. distro, any interview that's ever happened, any kind of appearance anywhere. It's always been Artyom. I've never seen Kirill's face. I don't know what he looks like. I suppose he looks a little like Artyom, you know. But well, I would imagine. Who knows? Who knows? The enigma, Kirill. So I'm going to blame all of, the, all of the good stuff on Kirill and all of the bad stuff on Artyom. <laughs> Surely that's why it's like that. <laughs> so let's dive into the history about this. This was hard, Dan. It was hard. You're right. You know why it was hard, Leo? It's hard because it has a really deep history and goes back a long way, for one thing. Goes all the way back to, I think people start writing about it in 2009, but during the, the interview, Artyom says that the ideas and some of the pen to paper and a lot of the work to start all of this up was actually done in 2008. Mm -hmm. This was, uh, I believe he says he was in college. Um, they, they came to the conclusion that Linux and specifically Ubuntu was better than the alternatives, meaning macOS and Windows. And that getting people to switch, and you're going to see this be a central theme. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, all the way back in 2008, they don't, they don't really change what they want out of Zorin. But getting nope. people to switch to Linux was a matter of making the desktop more comfortable and yep. intuitive and just user-friendly, essentially. I, and, you know, similar look and feel was important to, you know, the central goal here. Mm-hmm. So in late October of 2008, Ubuntu 18.8, uh, whoa, that's 10 years, 8.10 is released, and it's decided that's what Zorin is going to be based on. Mm -hmm. Then in, De in December, you're looking at Zorin 1.0, RC1. It was due to be released, and this is why I think all the history starts in 2009. Nothing actually got released until 2009, but it was due to be released, but a bug encountered in the file browser threw everything off and delayed the final release until... The 1st of July of 2009, so we're, we're taking seven months after, uh, after the RC1 bug to get that first release out. And yeah. I mean, timing, fine. Take your time, especially with this first release. Yeah. 
Um, it seemed to have paid off. Uh, in, in Again, in that interview, uh, Ardia mentions that the user feedback and the generally good reception kind of solidified the need to continue. So in 2009, mm-hmm. late, late 2009, they got some of this feedback and decided this is, we're going to continue on with this thing because uh, it seems like the, the general user base is there. Yep. So uh, fast forward a few months, January 2010, Zorin OS 2 is released. It, it seems to have kind of a similar look and feel to the previous version. You get uh, new versions. You get core, gaming, multimedia, educational, and ultimate. And it seems to me, as it That's is today. Five. Five. You, you, what did I say? Did I say five? No, you did. You said five. Oh, okay. I mean, that's five different versions. That's, yeah. that's a lot for your your basically sophomore release, right? Exactly. Exactly. And it seems like um, they kind of kept with the with the gaming multimedia whatever theme, and that really kind of just dictated what was on the base install once you got it onto your system. That's really what that was about. Um, and Core was available. You could download that one, and this is this is. Early on, you get that they want to be paid for their work and they want to be paid uh, for bandwidth and all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So yep. you see Core is available to download, which is this, uh, essentially a slim version, but not light, uh, not like a light desktop or anything like that. But Core no. is available no. mm-hmm. and you could buy the other ones on DVD from the store. Right. So, I mean, early on, they set the expectation. And I think that yeah. was a good thing. Um, because uh, number one, people deserve to get paid for their work. And number two, bandwidth wasn't free in 2010, especially no. not in 2010. No. So, good thing. And they were producing a physical product at that point, right? So they're producing uh, DVDs, which that's not free either. I mean, they have a physical, tangible thing. And then you've got to mail it out and distribute it. So, I mean, all yep. of that costs money. Exactly. So the fact that they got paid for it isn't, is understandable. Yep. So uh, the 26th of January, um, we're looking at Zorn OS 2 Premium and Educational are out. Now, this is one thing that I kind of want to mention. There's going to be some history that we're going to skip, uh, mostly for time's sake, but also because uh, I don't want to slap everybody in the face with a bunch of dates. Um, yeah, I get that. <laughs> Definitely. The core version is typically the first version that launches. And then you have the other versions uh, like Pro Today, but the Gaming Multimedia Educational Ultimate, the, the, the few different versions that they had. Yeah. Those all kind of rolled out slowly, uh, you know, a couple of months after Core, the gaming one came out and then the educational one came out. So I'm going to try and stick to just the main ones. I will mention yep. Premium and Educational now because, well, really did happen. Those things do happen and it took a little time. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I probably won't mention them too much later. Uh, but yeah, so Premium and Educational out in January. Then in May of the uh, of the same year, Zone OS 3 RC1 is out. And I say RC1, there's really only one. They only ever really do one. Um, right. And then in June, Zorin 3 was released based on Ubuntu 10.04. And another thing that I'm not going to mention, uh, or I'll mention once or twice, I might, I might uh, touch on it again, is that the point releases are mostly just roll-ups for you know getting the new right. ISO that has the new stuff on it. Um, it might have a newer kernel based on the hardware enablement and all that kind of stuff. But generally, the the basic stuff is the same. So I think they, yeah, and they just follow the Ubuntu you know updates right. of software, which happen no matter what, right? Yeah, exactly. 
All right, Dan, I never knew how to say this blog. Uh, say this blog for me. <laughs> Dito Amito? D- is that, that makes a lot of sense. I don't know why I couldn't see it before Maybe now, I'm but I see it now. Wrong, but I think it's Dito Amito. Dito Amito. That just sounds fun. Okay, I like saying that. All right, so Dito Amito. Uh, their review talks about how uh, Zorn is an easy-to-use option for mm-hmm. new converts. And, I mean, that was the whole point. So yeah, it got across. It really was. Yep. It got across. Uh, also in the Zorn 3 release, Zorn OS Look Changer is introduced. Uh, it's shipped with iPhone and iPod support for the music player. Mm-hmm. So you can just plug that in, start playing your music, easy peasy. This was when it was a lot easier to get files on and off your iPhone. Yeah. Um, and a new initiative, Social from the Start. That focused on getting social networks quickly on the desktop. So this is going to integrate your... Was Facebook a thing in 2010? Surely it was, right? When did MySpace happen? I I don't know. Like, whatever happened. Yeah, Facebook probably was a thing back then. Tom! Tom, where are you? I need to to inject random JavaScript into web pages to steal passwords. Tom, come back. There wasn't Meta or TikTok. Oh, Meta. We're going to have to have a whole other episode just about Meta. Boy, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was a there was there was a quote that started showing up around Zorn OS three that I read, and I had hmm. a distaste for it then. I still have a distaste for it now. Um, and this is not about Zorn OS. It's that they they grabbed it. But Zorn OS here's the quote: Zorn OS is a, is safe as it has practically no risk of getting viruses or malware. Hmm. No. Just uh uh-uh. uh, stop it! Stop doing that! Don't don't say that. Nobody should say that. Shouldn't have said that back then. Uh, you don't need to say that now either. Um, Definitely a jinx moment, if nothing else. Ah uh, man! So because there was sure that Linux in general, and that includes Zorin OS, had fewer viruses and things like that in general because less people looked Linux's direction generally. But I mean, come on. I remember some big ones that did happen, though, Leo. I remember, like, what was it, Slapper? Was that one of them? Oh, man. So what, what did I this I think that do? was one of those worm, worm things that only affected oh, Linux machines. Jeez. Probably around that time, even. Yeah. So it just, it's, yeah, I, I, I didn't really appreciate seeing that um, because <sighs> so many people have come up to me, and uh, especially around that time, and said things like, well, Mac doesn't give viruses. And mm. I felt the same way about that that I do about this. Just because yeah, some too. Mm-hmm. your your you know your your market share is small or something like that it doesn't mean that you can't get viruses. It just means that there are no widespread well known viruses for your platform. But yeah, a well, malicious script can infect both Linux yeah. and Mac. So mm. what it really means is never let your guard down. Yeah, that yeah, that's I think that's really what I'm after. Uh, the the level headed response to that is um yeah maybe but just don't 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 put too much stock in that so yeah anyway anyway uh back on the history train uh mm-hmm. december 2010 zorin os 4 is released and we see uh, a shift to the 10.10 release of ubuntu which is non lts so we're going to say bye to zorin os 4 pretty quick <laughs> um distrowatch picks up on this one and you really start to see um you see a lot of I guess general news. Zorn OS has hit the news cycle, so they get picked up just about every single release. They get written about, and some of the popularity starts to skyrocket. And we see the introduction of the light version 
as well, which includes not XFCE. If you start looking around, you'll see XFCE now. But right. the first version of Lite was actually using LXDE, a DE right. close to your heart. Yeah, and well, and it makes sense that that was chosen as the light version because it was much lighter than anything else at the time. Right. Then uh, you see improvements made to the file manager um, using Nautilus Elementary instead of vanilla Nautilus. And by the name, I'm assuming we're talking about uh, ele an elementary fork of Nautilus with a lot of their feature stuff. And you're gonna mm -hmm. see you're gonna see that again, actually. Um, Zorin OS keeps their eye on elementary. They do a lot of good things that Zorin seems to like as well. Um, and then you also you also get uh, file previews with gl Glubus. I'm guessing that's Glubus. And basically, this is where you would hover over an image or video and it would play in a pop-out. Um, mm -hmm. So it wasn't its own window. It was like, um, uh, what do you it's call like an that? an enhanced tooltip, I guess. Tooltip. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. And you could literally watch the whole video there, though, if you moved your mouse or did something <laughs> else, uh, it would go away. But it was really cool to, um, instead of having to open up a whole new application to look at a mm -hmm. photo or something like that, you could just hover preview. over the one that you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of nice. It was a nice touch and an overhauled software center. Uh, so the, the cool thing about this, the, the overhaul, is that number, you get two things. Number one, you get a history so that you can, you can see what you've installed in the past. And you also get it um, integrated in with the devs. So devs show up now kind of integrated in with the software center. But I think this more tracks what Ubuntu has been doing to the software center and stuff rather than what Zorin has done. And if you look at a lot of the release notes, uh, the line is blurred. Oh, so sure. Zorin sure. will say, we've added this, but that really comes from upstream rather than from Zorin. But I think that's okay. They're still putting some t twist on some of these things, even yeah. if, like, not everything, but like some of them, they put their own twist on it and make it their own look and feel a little yeah. bit. You know, even though they're pulling down the, the bigger, bigger thing. And we'll get into that later, too, on yep. some of the other projects they got. Exactly. So... Um, I mentioned Zorin OS 4 Business, which released on the 17th of March, mm -hmm. only to say that this is one of the first times that uh, they're requiring donations to get into something. So seven euros will get you access to the business edition, which comes with, you know, business type stuff. Uh, I didn't get a list, but I mean, we're, we're talking things like I would suppose like, uh, what is that? G Money, G Cash? What is, uh, mm -hmm. I forget what the name of that thing is. Um, but yeah, just generally all of these additions come just pre-installed with software that I think you could normally get elsewhere. You could install it on the yeah. core edition yourself, but they're doing it for you. This is just a, you know, install it. It's already there kind of thing. And it really only costs you seven bucks, which is, I don't think, too bad. Well, and again, this is a time when, you know, bandwidth was a premium, right? Right. Yeah. So having it all ready to go installed probably saved a lot on that bandwidth thing. Exactly. And something I think uh, Linux folks ask for all the time is, mm -hmm. well, let me just get a laptop with it already installed, right? Right. And I mean, they say this is the break point for Linux on the desktop. But either way, Zorin PC, the website was launched in April of 2011. Um, Pre-orders for them were 449 euros, came with an Intel Atom N270, two gigs of RAM, 160 gig hard drive. And get this, 1024 by 576 TFT screen. So the screen uh, wasn't, you know, too terribly high quality, but I don't think IPSs in laptops were really a thing back then, or at it's least... It's a lot like tater top, just so you know. 
Right, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then if you miss the pre-order, uh, depending on whether or not you got Windows with it, it's going to be 500, 600 euros. So not bad for a little laptop that'll run Zorin yeah. out of the box. And this is the point where I rejoiced because I spent way too much time uh, fiddling with the Wayback Machine. But this is the point where I can stop using the Wayback Machine and I can actually use... At the time, it was Zorin-OS. So in April 29th of uh, 2011, they announced the new launch of the website. Yay! Uh, which was at Zorin-OS.com. And, uh, but at today, it's Zorin.com. So be aware, right. they made another switch a little later on that I couldn't quite get a lock on when, when that happened. But Zorin-OS.com at the time... Uh, was launched, and it had a more modern look, and I mean, kind of started to resemble the Zorin OS that we know today. Though it's gone through some iteration. So, mm -hmm. also during Zorin, Zorin OS four, um, you see a prompt to upgrade to eleven point oh four. This is Ubuntu eleven oh four. Don't do this. Well, okay, I'm not talking to you because you're not running Zorin OS four. But well, let's if, hope not. <laughs> yeah, if you were at the time, uh, you didn't need to do this. Uh, there was a blog post about it, but kind of feels like the Arch blog. Whereas if you don't oh, pay yeah. attention to it, you just get bit by it, and uh, you just have to figure it out uh, after the fact. But um, yeah, so you shouldn't have upgraded at this time, and you were just instructed to wait until Zorin five. We'll upgrade to that. Everything will be cool, but don't take the eleven oh four update. I think they actually recommended that you do fresh installs on on most of the version updates. Oh, so that that was that was another thing. Good to know. I want to say that that holds true until about 12, which is further down the list. Well, and I think it holds true until Ubuntu got really good at upgrades, I think. Yeah, maybe. So then we hit Zorin OS 5 based on 11.04, and it was released in June of 2011, uh, but there were delays. It was supposed to be in May, but didn't quite make the cut, and so released in June. So instead of following in Ubuntu 11.04's footsteps uh, and going to Ubuntu's Unity, Classic GNOME is opted for. So uh, at the time, core, the core and ultimate editions are available with, uh, with a new theme and updated software. And we've got an article linked in the show notes that really kind of talks about the look changer, which is, um, I, I guess, yeah, it is, it is a bit progressive for the time. And also kind of mentions that wine isn't always smooth, but yeah, it's... That's still true. true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, not everything that works. That didn't go away. We're, we're making lots and lots of progress, but Linux ain't Windows, so um, yeah. Anyway, there's another thing called Background Plus. Now, this is my favorite thing. Uh, but at the time, you could get a Matrix screensaver, but this was not only animated, but it was 3D, relied on your graphics card, and kind of like you know, zoomed you through the Matrix stuff too. Well, that's so, cool. So it was an animated screensaver thing. You could use like uh, GIFs and videos and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, it did include the Matrix code thing, but it was premium only. Mm. So in July, uh, Zorin OS demand is up. So uh, they were using iBiblio only. So that basically meant that if you weren't in the US, uh, you suffered bandwidth-wise <laughs> on downloading stuff. So you saw the addition of things like HeNet in Germany and a few other mirrors are all around the world to speed that up a little bit. So in October, uh, they announced half a million users. Half a million. In December wow. of the same year, a million. So yeah, 
Um, if one percent of those folks give five bucks each, man, this is why they keep doing Zorin. So you right. know, hey, just keep trucking along, man. All right, so. February 2012, the team announces they won't be using GNOME or Unity for the core editions because of radical changes. Those changes being, of course, a lot of the GUI software they've used up until this point is either redundant or broken. Woof. Yeah. So in March, they follow up and say, we're just going to make Zorin desktop. That's what we're going to do. Yep. <laughs> so in June, Zorin OS 6 releases and is based on Ubuntu 12.04, which in Ubuntu land is Unity, but in Zorin land is Zorin Desktop, but it is based off GTK and GNOME 3, so it's not too terribly far away, and I think kind of forecasts what Ubuntu is going to do too, but um, yeah. yeah, and uh, Light is still on LXTE. So there is, um, you threw this in there on DistroWatch. Yeah, it's, it's another link to the same, you know, thing that Dito Amito picked up on. And mm -hmm. how Zorin can be a bridge between Windows and Linux. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's it's the same theme again, but reiterated from another source. Yep. And again, that was the initial catalyst for starting Zorin in the first place. And, you, you, I mean, it's just a recurring theme. This is one of the distros that you can give to someone that is a Windows or even now Mac person. And <laughs> yes. They they need to come over to Linux, or they want to come over to Linux, and this is an easy way to do it. Well, they didn't talk about it then, but I, they also they had the the theme changer, um, which becomes you know uh, the look changer then becomes the theme changer. We'll talk about that in a minute, right? But um, one of the you know so they had different looks and feels, and it didn't matter where you were coming from, or so it seemed they could try to you know mimic that a little bit, right? So in August 2012, uh, premium support is available now for five euros, and that gets you three technical support questions for one computer. It's not too <laughs> bad, right? I mean, no, five bucks to, I mean, honestly, I figure most people only have one question, uh, unbork my system. Uh, yeah. So I mean, five bucks for that's not too bad to, to avoid having to reinstall and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, if you followed Linux for years and years and years, you know that this is the way that Linux makes money. You offer mm -hmm. support. Yeah, service. That, that's it. The, the service part is what you pay for. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. If you had donated previously to get the non-core, non-light edition, so this is like the uh, multimedia edition, gaming edition, whatever editions, you're mm -hmm. eligible for support on one computer as well. So you kind of get grandfathered in, get some support on that as well, which is really kind of cool. That's kind of cool, yeah. Zorin 7, based on Ubuntu 13.04 in June 2013, um, and really, you really see one major thing here, and that's just kind of a bit of a design overhaul with a logo. And so this is kind of an hmm. intermediary design that you see. It's not quite there. There's some like black bolded edges and things like that that don't really mesh in, in now with what, what Zorin looks like. But I think at the time, uh, it was still pretty forward thinking and I think so, flat. Yeah. You see a lot of flat, and this is when that started to, to happen. So Zorin 8, in January 2014, based on 1310, it, the dark theme is introduced. And I think this is, this is a bit before a this lot of- This is before the, everybody else. Yeah. yeah. You, nope, you, nobody's got this at that time. You, you see people complaining about their eyeballs at midnight, but you don't see any distros or anything like that really 
acting on it. They, they might be working on it in the back end. They might be talking about it in whatever GitHub was back in 2014, wherever you went to talk about your bug things um, back then. But nobody had it. Zorin yep. had it. And that's yeah. impressive. So you really start to see a lot of the forward thinking things uh, start coming out. And uh, another thing where I know it was popular with the tinkerers, but that bootloader thing where you can go in and change the images of what, what's in the background and what it looks like, make it look pretty. It's not just that black and white text. They had that too. Yeah. They, mm -hmm. uh, they dropped a lot of UI improvements in this version. And so here's what, what gets me. So they had the look changer and the theme changer. And it took me forever to figure out they're two separate things. I, I didn't yeah. know this. They're not anymore, but they were. And they, I, mm -hmm. it, it was just hard for me to like wrap my head around that because you couldn't really see it. The, uh, a lot of the screenshots from back then are gone. Um, right. But they, um, they mentioned both. In the RC announcement, they mentioned the theme changer. And then in the actual eight announcement, they mentioned the look changer. So, so they are two separate things. Yeah, but I think they morphed together, and I don't know where they morphed together either. I mean, it's hard to find that little bit of info. It's fairly recent. I think it's like in 12 or something like that. It's fairly oh, recent that well, they morphed together. Um, but anyway, <laughs> between, between the releases of 8 and 9, it's pretty quiet. Uh, so Zora 9, July 2014, based on Ubuntu 14.04. This is where you get EFI support. Uh, you get a new theme. So you had the light theme, the dark theme, and now you get a blue theme. You get Firefox added, which is surprising that they didn't have it on the image yeah. by default. This is, it's been Chrome up to this point. Yeah, they had Chrome. Yep. And uh, just generally a look and feel, uh, a little bit of a glow up as well as EFI support. So that's kind of nice. Then Zorin 10 in August 2015. So, I mean, we go pretty much a whole year. It's very quiet in between these, uh, these two landmarks. And you see some more interface stuff. So I, I think you start to see around Zorin 8, you start to see a lot of settling where yeah. a lot of the crazy changes have already been worked through. And yeah. you're starting to see now, all right, cool. Well, Zorin, we know what Zorin is. We know what to expect. We know what we're getting in this. It's, a, it's an Ubuntu base. It's the Zorin look and feel. It's a lot of the cool actual helper apps that make things easy for me because I don't want to have to yep. go in and you know, manually install themes or whatever. Um, so that's kind of nice. And now you're starting to see the refinement uh, as well. So you're yeah, looking a at... visual refresh here and there, right? Right. Exactly. So in, in August uh, 2015, Zorin 10 comes out based on Ubuntu 15.04. You see Free Sans become the default desktop font. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan. I think back then um, it was a... It, it still is a very good font, but it was, it was one of the best fonts to mm -hmm. choose back then. And as I mentioned before, they do have their eye on elementary. And so they swap to the elementary icons. They add a green, orange, and red theme to the blue, light, and dark lineup and an application refresh, as to be expected with every new reiteration of, uh, of Ubuntu. Mm -hmm. Then February 2016, based on 1510, Zorin 11 is released. And so you're starting to see a little bit more internal stuff happen. So you get a contacts manager. You get clocks with things like timer stopwatches, video player, oh, and, and a video player, and you get an additional gray theme. So another into the lineup. Now, one, one cool thing that I think um, everybody started to jump on at this time was the scroll bar thing going away, um, mm. where you hovered over it, hover, hovered over it, 
and it showed up and then you could grab it and move it. But when your mouse went away from it, uh, the thing was invisible. So sure. Um, I feel like that's an accessibility nightmare, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but, but, uh, I mean, if you, if you weren't impaired in any way, it looked okay, but, um, yeah. Well, it gets I, out of your way when you don't need it. I mean, that's yeah, nice. It, and that's a good thing. I think that that is a good thing, but yeah, if, if you're hard of seeing, uh, that makes it kind of hard tough. to find. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But anyway, uh, just uh, some additional, uh, user experience, uh, stuff. And of course, the more application refreshes. Um, so this is some good news. We've seen that I think Linux distros get all the fanfare about, mm-hmm. oh, this place, this, uh, this city, this uh, community is um, going to use Linux from now on. Yay. Uh, and then like a couple months or a couple years later, <laughs> you see, no, nope, <laughs> went back to Windows. So I couldn't find anywhere that this happened. So Zorin OS gets picked up by the city of Vicenza, I think that's in Italy, and I look, and maybe it's hidden from me. Maybe someone can come back and correct me on this, but I didn't see where they switched back. I think they're still on Linux, and I think they're still on Zorin. So, Well, that's really cool. That's fantastic. So this this is great. This is absolutely great. That happened, I think, in April 2016, so... Nice. Awesome. Five years later, I did not see any fanfare where, I mean, because I think uh, Linux blogs would have definitely picked up on the fact that we lost one um, right. because we did. There was a town in Germany that that happened to. Um, that was Sousa, maybe, right? Well, I think they rolled their own. That was right. that. I think okay. that was the big misstep there. But anyway, they, they go back to Windows because, well, we need Office. I think that was the, the essentially the, the short and skinny of it. But uh, I did not see anywhere where this town in Italy rolled back. So fantastic. Well, that's fantastic. Cool. So Zorin 12, this I think is the point where Zorin becomes really what we know today as Zorin. Yes, this was a big change. Yep. Big change. In November 2016, based on 1604, the new Zorin desktop powered by GNOME. Whoops. So wait a minute, we already been doing that. I know. <laughs> I know, but it's different, right? Right. Well, Zorin Desktop, based on GTK with a little bit of GNOME, they did come out and say, we're not using GNOME. Yeah, but we're not. in November 2016, they're back on that GNOME train. So mm-hmm. I, I think it was just too much for two folks to have to deal with a whole entire desktop. Um, it makes sense. Either that or it's just way easier. Well, nope. and, and GNOME got easier to integrate in with, uh, with um, extensions and things like that. Right. So maybe. Either way, uh, maybe just evolution. I don't know. Could be a reversal, but they're no longer using their homegrown desktop. Roboto. This is the Google font. Becomes the system font. Icons are swapped to paper, which is a personal favorite of mine. Those are nice. Yep. Uh, we start to see, uh, you know, kind of the Zorin kind of morph into what we know. It as today, Snap support is added. You're getting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of the GNOME stuff, right? Like activities and multi-touch gestures and notifications. Um, and here's where the Zorin look and theme changer things become Zorin appearance. So yep. if you go looking now, you'll not find either of those. You'll find Zorin appearance, and it's appearance. all just baked into one. So no longer Chrome, no longer Firefox. Chromium becomes the default browser. You get Wine compatibility built in with Direct3D 10 and 11 support. Um, and that, that came in uh, Zorin 12.3. Yep. And this is where the light makes a switch. You get that swap to XFCE from LXDE. 
Then in uh, March 2017, half a million downloads. Again, again, they hit the half million mark. And then a few months later in November, a million. So it wasn't as quick as earlier on in their life cycle, but man. That's still really good. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. To be able to do it that many times, right? Yep, exactly. So March 2019, so we fast forward a bit. Zorn decides to skip 13 and 14. Which yeah, we just, 13 and 14. Take 13 is not lucky, so get, get that right out of here. Yeah, but we'd skip 14 too? Why? Because it's divisible I by 7? I don't know. 7's sure another I'm... lucky number? Is that, is that no, why? I 7 was lucky. I don't well, know. I, I, I'm not sure. Listen, I don't know, man. Someone thinks 5 is terrible, I'm sure. Well, we went with 15. <laughs> maybe, they're, uh, maybe they're taking a page out of uh, Windows' book, skipping 9, and it just goes straight to Zorin 15. Zorin... Uh, 15 was released in June 2019 based on 1804. And I guess this is really kind of what happens, right? I guess maybe it's because we expected 13 and 14 to be based on one of the interim Ubuntu releases and they're just, they're just not doing that anymore. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, no. So pretty much LTS, uh, you know, from here on out. And uh, I that makes sense to me. That's less work you've got to do. I mean, it, it, as a developer. It makes me think uh, Linux Mint and Zorin went in the back room and were like, just kill the intermer- inter- intermediary, re- re- intermediary releases uh, just, no, out, by, out back behind the barn. Just, uh-uh. Maybe, maybe. Well, I think it was too much thrashing around in Ubuntu land because, you know, there's some pretty brave changes, brave changes <laughs> uh, happening in Ubuntu land. So it's just easier to not do that, I would suppose. Yeah. Anyway, so Zorn 15, June 2019, based on Ubuntu 18.04, you see Zorn Connect, which is uh, got bits of GS Connect, which is the GNOME one, and KDE Connect, uh, which is the mm-hmm. KDE, obviously the KDE one, uh, kind of baked in together to make Zorn Connect. The rounded corners make an appearance. Mm, so, so maybe Windows is taking a book out of the Zorin, uh, or taking a page out of the Zorin book uh, with these rounded corners. And new themes, just new themes, all of them. These are the themes we see today. You get the mm-hmm. light and the dark modes with the cool little colors, and it will change depending on the time of day. Yep, the little nightlight stuff, yeah. Yeah, so the nightlight thing also, where you get that, that uh, color shift to add more mm-hmm. yellow to your monitor so it doesn't hurt your eyes as much at the, in, the, in, in the middle of the night. Um, and you get flat pack support added. But as Dan pointed out to me, Flat Hub is not enabled by default. So right. uh, we got to wait a little bit for that. But you can add it easily enough. Yep. You get uh, a lot of the cool Nomi things like, uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. So you get touch layout functions. Um, so this is basically in the theme chooser look and feel thingamajig. You can choose uh, a more touch friendly layout. Mm-hmm. You also yep. get do not disturb mode. And the system font is changed one more time to its current font, enter, which if you remember the elementary episode uh, I was gushing over, it's a nice font. It is a really good font. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that change. Um, and then we fast forward again to September 2019. And this is that interview. So um, the interview with Infinitely Galactic, click on it. You can see the interview with uh, Artyom. And you can see a lot of where some of the early stuff, the feelings, the, the um, I guess the starting of... Zorin, why it started and all that kind of good stuff uh, in that interview. So that happened in September 2019. And then fast forward again, not a whole lot going on in between. I think a lot of interim work to make things good 
for Zorin. We had some interim 16. releases, I guess, in between there, right? right. So, which are going to be like package, you know, updates and kernel updates and things like that. So, yeah. of course, but no groundbreaking news, no huge nope. changes that that just shift the uh, the ground underneath you. So, Zorin sixteen released in August twenty twenty one. So we can look back and we can actually see that on the calendar now, and that's based on. 2004 ubuntu 2004 so this is also when the pro edition is introduced so a quote from them zorin os pro brings together the best apps and most advanced features so you can unleash the full potential of your computer to do your greatest work it comes bundled with our technical support service so you can get up and running smoothly so this is also when you see visual changes so to that look and feel, the Zorin uh, appearance mm-hmm. thing, you get some cool new layouts. You get the Windows 11 layout. You get Which is the, cool. Yes, the Mac OS layout. Um, and all of this pro stuff, 39 bucks. Which is not that expensive. Right. So Dan and I, I think we're going to take, um, take that on here in a little bit. But we'll, we'll wait just a minute to get there. So you also see FlatHub support out of the box. And I think we finally hit our, our medium there, our happy medium of just all the apps are there. They're in the software well, center. Any way you want to get them. Snaps, flat packs, devs. I think for someone that doesn't care, you just get them the way that it defaults to. You just look for the app that you're looking for. And it seemed to me that FlatHub was the... For apps that weren't in the repositories, FlatHub seemed to me to be preferred over Snap. Though I don't think... I don't know that it's on purpose. They never actually announced anything that said that that was on purpose. Um, but uh-huh. it... Right, like I go and get Bitwarden. Bitwarden's official on Snap. It is not mm-hmm. in Flatpak, yet I get the Flatpak if I don't make any changes to the default behavior of software. Mm. So it seems mm-hmm. to me Flathub is, um, is on top anyway. So they had some really cool stuff like, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. It's Journal with an X though. So it's like mm-hmm. Zernal plus plus. I, I think guess. it's Zernal. I would okay. say Zernal. Yeah. I would say Zernal and be wrong. Well, of course, right? It's uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm okay to be wrong. So, Zernal Plus Plus lets lets you annotate images and PDFs, um, and that's only in Pro. I think Barrier is the same way. Lets you share your mouse and keyboard between uh, between devices. So it's like KVM but wireless. Yeah, um, I, I use Barrier at work. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And casting support to a TV, which is nice, uh, and lots of artwork, and of course, snaps too. So you know they're there. Still got those. Windows app support. So on that Ooh. note, we swap <laughs> to our Zorin OS discussion because we're current and we also said Windows app support. So Dan, Windows app support. What about that? Um, your mileage might vary there. Let me just say that, right? So I was able to limit it. You have limited ability in what you can install for a Windows app and have success. Um, you're probably not going to get a Windows 10 only thing to run because Wine doesn't really let you do that very well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, maybe if it's something that has come along the way into Windows 10, it'll let you. But some things just grumble loudly if they don't see Windows yep. 10 and they won't install. So I had something. I think I was trying to just to install a Windows app. I was trying to install the Spotify app and oh. I, it, it didn't let me, well, which is fine on. because I got, I got a Linux version of that, right? <laughs> I was going to say, was just, wait a minute. I was just <laughs> testing the Windows app 
installation part, right? Right. And um, I was like, well, this is probably a simple enough thing to be able to install. Not that I need this because I can go do it another way with a snap or something. Right. And it does tell you that. That is kind of a nice thing. It says, hey, I see you're trying to install this. Have you tried, you know, and it might even give you a different alternative or say, hey, look, that's available as a Linux application. Would you, you know, want to install this? Um, and so and, and it is user friendly in that standpoint because it does tell you that, you know, what you're trying to do might not work the best for you. Right. But like I said, not all Windows apps are going to going to work and um, your mileage might vary. Um, you might need to use play on Linux depending on what you're trying to install. Right. And we all know that is not necessarily straightforward either. Right, right, right. So Windows app support pretty much about as good as you can get it anywhere else as well. Sure. Because it's still mm -hmm. based on wine, right? Yep. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I think that, that, that kind of exemplifies what I'm talking about when uh, earlier on I mentioned that um, they kind of, to make it seem cohesive, Mm -hmm. They make it sound like, uh, you know, it's a Zorin only thing in their release notes and in their blog posts and things like that. But, you know, obviously, you know, journal, journal and barrier mm -hmm. and cast support and yeah. all this other stuff can be done on other distributions without too much fuss. But I think really what I guess they're getting at is it's baked in. It's right there. So it is. We can provide it for you easily as opposed to you going to do it all yourself. Oh, from an ease standpoint, you want to install a Windows app, you just literally go to the web page and download an EXE or an MSI or mm. whatever, and you right click on it and you tell it to, you know, use the Windows app installer or whatever right. it says. And it does its thing. And hopefully if Wine plays nice, it installs. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So, um, all right. So generally, how did you get along with Zorin? It was excellent. Like I really did like having the flat pack and the snap stuff right there uh, available because, well, it's based on 2004. So that's, you know, LTS, a little, little older, starting to get a little older now um, as we're, we're moving in time. Um, so the applications are starting to get a little older. So it's nice having the flat pack and snap stuff because you can get more current applications. I did like that. That was nice. Um, I got to agree on that. The, the 2004 base might be getting a little old, but for a lot of applications, you can still get a 2004 base version of mm -hmm. that application. I think that'll probably continue to be the, the mm -hmm. case for a very long time. So, okay. you know, as far as what the base is, that's pretty good. But, you know, this is also coming from a guy that tends to run Linux Mint for, you know, important things like this machine has Linux Mint on it. My desktop. Uh, it's just whatever I feel like putting on it, whatever. I mean, it could be Endeavor, it could be uh, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, but for stuff that I need to be able to sit down and and get work done and just launch my app and know my app is going to work, um, a 2004 base, I think, is fantastic. Yeah, I agree. And so it probably does have a similar feel for those that uh, um, use Mint or something like that based on an LTS. Um it probably has the same similar feel. The yep. only difference is um, you have that theme changer, right? Right. So you, you're, you know, Zorin appearance now. So you can change it to feel like a different, you know, 
operating system, you know, where you used to having your panel down on the bottom or if you used to the macOS style with a panel at the top and a dock down at the bottom, you can do all those things. So just a couple of clicks of a button and you're there. Um, also nice out of the box. You can, you can choose that right out of the, right out of the gate. It, it yeah. prompts you. Um, you can pick your lighter dark mode. Um, you can pick your color accents, all, all of that stuff is great. Um, I personally like my panel down at the bottom and, you know, traditional windows looking style. Right. So that was fine by me. I had no problem with that one. And, uh, man, I don't know, just solid base felt, felt good and comfortable. I, it was boring, but good boring because it, I just didn't have to worry about it. Everything worked. Right. So I guess the first time that you're, that you, that you log into the thing, you're greeted with basically windows 10, um, mm -hmm. a light version of windows 10, which you can immediately swap to the dark version, but you can yep. also, um, there are three that you get in the standard, uh, yes, desktop layout thing. You get yep. the windows 10 one, you get the windows, uh, I was going to say windows 98, but windows XP had it too. Where yeah, maybe the, seven even. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you had the option in seven to make it long mm -hmm. again. But, you know, having the full title bar thing down at yep. the bottom, uh, but still had that same minimize it to the bottom, bring it back up. Um, yep. You had kind of a touch interface that was, I would say, like a mixture of GNOME and Windows 11. If if you like smooshed them together uh, because you had the activities thing. Yeah, that you GNOME still had the activities thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. But you had the the middle. So, so the one unified bar at the bottom, you had the start menu and the activities in the bottom left, you had mm -hmm. the icons in the middle, and then you had all your other junk in the bottom right, right. like clock and, and app indicators yep. and stuff like that. So it was kind of, uh, yeah, so they call it touch, but it was, it was a bit of a mixture. And then you just had plain old gnome. You had that as an option yep. as well. Um, so, I mean, just right out of the box, you have a lot of options on what you want it to look like that you have to do nothing but click one thing. To, yeah. to make it be that way. Um, but if you spent $39, you also got a Mac style. So right. obviously the launcher on the bottom, you can change that up if you want to. And the, uh, the, the thing on top, the title bar mm -hmm. thing on top, you get a Windows 11 one, which yep. honestly is basically the touch one. If you move the start menu button to the middle, and the when you press that start button, it has like kind of a small box with all your applications in it. Um, you get Windows Classic. So this is very much like that, the, that's very much 98 like. Right. Where you didn't have that. Uh, so when you open the start menu, you don't have that right hand column of right. Like go to your computer, go to your settings and stuff. It was just apps. That's all it was. And yep. then you also get. The Ubuntu one, the actual real live Ubuntu Unity layout that uh, that they have whenever you just straight up boot in, uh, boot into Ubuntu. Right. So that was really cool. Even with all of that, though, right? So like the app indicators, like a, one of the issues with GNOME, and so you don't even know it's GNOME. You don't. It right. just works because like the app indicators down there in, in the panel they all work like they're supposed to, and um, you don't have any issues with those. They, like, if you want to close Telegram, you can right-click on that thing and mm -hmm. close it and get it out of there. That's a challenge in some other, uh, you know, distros or yeah. even just 
gnome in general without some sort of extension add-on thing. Well, if we um, if we rewind more than a year ago and I, and and we were doing our Pop OS review, I remember the mm-hmm. only actual showstopper that I had in Pop were the app indicators. It literally yeah. froze the entire desktop, and I had to hard reset. Yep. Yeah, they had them, but they didn't work as well, right? So, I mean, this worked good. Yeah, I abused the app switcher thing, uh, the, mm-hmm. the layout switcher thing so much. Um, I mean, I only had the four. I didn't have Pro. I didn't get the extra ones. But, right. I mean, I'm going back and forth, moving from one to the other to the other. I'm like, do I like this? Do I like this? Oh, you can change this. Oh, so, I mean, like you could go in and actually make some additional changes after you, you chose yeah. your layout. but. I abused it, and yeah. it it never crashed. The app indicators continued to work. I could minimize. It didn't behave weirdly. So hmm. I thought that was very good on their part. You know, they put some work into that, obviously, because that that wasn't uh, an e- that's not easy with GNOME. It's not made for that, right? Right. So um, I feel like you know paying for the pro almost the theming stuff like the windows 11 and the mac os that's almost almost justifiable for me yeah no it, it really is and you know what's funny about that is i don't think um i think when you're paying a 39 dollars, i think the the layouts are actually just icing on the cake it's not even what you're paying for in my I opinion know, but i feel like i could just pay for that right yeah <laughs> right it, it, exactly but one thing i wanted to note about gnome is that it's 3.38 in mm-hmm. ubuntu 2004 so right what I think is going to be interesting to watch about Soren is oh, yeah. when they rebase on 2204, will there be a lot of friction bringing a lot of this stuff over? Or is that really just going to be a, nah, it works. It's good to go. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, Ubuntu is obviously going to go through it first. Um, hopefully they can port the things over that they've got going on because um, I feel like for them to stray at this point would be, I don't know, almost sacrilege, right? Yeah. <laughs> they, they've, they've, they've been, they've been, you know, with this look and feel and having the layout switcher and all of that stuff all along for so long that to change now, uh, it almost violates their core. Well, I don't know. They, they made, they made a hard left turn early on, right? Cause they went from gnome to gnome based and then back to yeah. Gnome. So I, I wouldn't put it past them. Maybe they're going to hop Maybe. on the same train that Pop! OS and Solus Maybe. and whoever, you know. But they, they, whatever happens, I feel like they can't change what they've got now, at least as far as look and feel. True, true. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Pro. Okay. And it's, again, Zorin is one of those distros that from the very beginning, they were like, we'll pay us for that. That mm-hmm. Right. And so it was an expectation that was set early on that I think everybody had just, you know, if there was going to be furor about it, it was it was done in 2010 or 2011. And nobody remembers what was going on because that was a decade ago. So now you have this option in Zorin OS to spend thirty nine dollars to get some things. So obviously the layouts, we've been talking about those uh, for a little bit. Uh, You get the Mac OS one, the Windows 11 one, right? Um, But. On the page where you go and say, well, I want this thing, Mm -hmm. they actually say, you get a professional-grade creative suite. But what I think, I don't know if it bothers me, but 
you go onto the page and you you see that what they're showing in that is GIMP and Blender and Caden Live. Yeah. Um, so again, I, I don't think it's necessarily bad, but I don't see those names. I see the icon in a skewed image yep. on a laptop on their thing. But I don't see oh, I see Inkscape too. Um I, I don't see those those words on or links to those projects on this page. And I, I feel like that's a little weird. And they, they make a mention, uh, now the, the name escapes me, but the share your mouse across uh, keyboard. Barrier. Uh, mouse barrier. So yep. uh, they mentioned that as part of Pro. They mentioned the, the Zernal app as mm-hmm. uh, part of Pro. The casting as part of Pro. And uh, some additional artwork. But I think the only things that are unique to Zorin are those layouts and the artwork. The right. other stuff. So here's where I think it's fine. I just I would just like to see those applications on your page. So but what I think they're going for and what they have been doing prior is their additions have a lot of this software pre-installed. So I mean the mm-hmm. value add for the $39 is not the software. They they the value add is we already installed it for you. So you don't have to go searching for it. It's already there. All you got to do is open it up. And that's probably fair for some people. You know, we're we're not average people, Leo. Sorry. Well, true, true. And I don't. That, but that's not really my problem because I can no, go no, out no, and I get. Know. I can get Core, and then I can download GIMP and Caden Live and all that other stuff, right? Yep. Uh, especially the fact that there's flat pa- flat pack and snap. Um, right compatibility there so i can just go get the even the latest and greatest version of it it's that it's not really mentioned and it seems like you can't get that stuff elsewhere it, it's kind of the vibe i get on the uh the, the page but aside from all of that so let's put all of that aside i don't think any of that is really what you're paying for when you're paying 39 dollars. my my thought on this is you're paying for it's the last bullet point support yeah they well, that's will that's fair too They'll fix your stuff when you bork it up. And that feels totally fair. Honestly, so in in my opinion, 39 bucks is worth that. Because think about it. When back in the day, we're talking like early 2000s, late 90s, you could go into a store for 80 bucks and pick up Mm. a version of like Sousa or Red Hat. Mm. And it came with a book. And sometimes It it would come with support. But you're buying the book and the DVD and the box yeah. and the shelf space and all of that stuff. So you didn't even get any of this stuff. But with right. the 40 bucks, which is half that, well, you know, consider inflation. Um, you're, you're, you're getting a whole lot more, I think. Um, I think so. For that. So I, I would not necessarily say um, I wouldn't pay for that. Uh, the support itself is, is that I feel like I can do my own support. <laughs> well, we can, yes, but we're seasoned right. veterans. Right. Like we said, we're professional amateurs. That's it. But I think, you know, but, for folks, for folks, for, for someone that would like someone to call or to send a message to or something like that to, to be able to yeah. get back up and running, they don't have, you know, you or me or their grandson that's really good with computers right. uh, around to call or, or ask, you know, $39 is not a lot of money That's to pay. That's not a lot of money, no. Yeah. It, d- just, you know, we, we, when we mentioned it before, like, you get some value add beyond just the support. So mm-hmm. all those other icing on the cake things are, they're worth something too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So yeah, the the only the only real issue I take with uh with that is that it seems like you just can't get it anywhere else, and it's not really mm-hmm. mentioned what you get when you do it. Yeah. You just kind of have to ascertain that from the images that that kind of fly across the screen. And I suppose that's not even all of it. I'm, I'm sure there's more yeah. beyond there that. There might be so. some copyright trademark things that you can't necessarily put those some of that stuff out there as far as you're distributing it that way potentially i don't know eh, maybe right maybe or maybe, maybe they so. just don't just discourage that i suppose they don't have to have a particular legal legal reason for it they might just say hey look we're gonna help curate your machine you know here here's we're gonna have it all installed for you you turn it on and go that's it yeah yeah that's what you're paying i think for 40 bucks don't don't worry about what applications there we're gonna take care of that for you right exactly exactly take the thought out of all of the situation and that's it and i mean mm-hmm. shoot for the 40 bucks they'll help you install it <laughs> i think that's the hey, that's the coolest yeah, part and if if you've never installed linux before that would be probably really valuable yeah yeah so a couple of the things and i think in both cases it's not actually zorn's fault i think it's uh, and, and I don't even know if I could even squarely put it on the shoulders of Ubuntu, but okay. So in, when installing, uh, Zorn OS 16, the core edition, whenever I choose, cause the way that I do every single one of my installs is I just choose the nuke the whole disc option, whatever that is, cause mm-hmm. it's different in every, yep. in every installer. And I pick yep. the disc and then it takes it from there. I don't, okay. I don't, I try not to do any kind of, you know, besides the arch edition, right? I mean, I had to, but you know, if there's an installer there, I'm going to let that take care of it because I don't want to accidentally bork it up. But right. in this case, and I want to say the equivalent version of Ubuntu 2004 did this too. Instead of creating the EFI loader on the EFI partition that was created during install, it just chucks it on the first disk it finds. Yep. Why? I don't know. Why? <laughs> Stop. I think that I think that was a ubiquity thing. Yes. So again, so it's not really a Zorn OS issue, but I mean, oh, it's frust. Okay. So here, let me tell you why I know this happened. It it would actually have been transparent to me had I not done an additional distro install to the side of Zorin. So mm-hmm. obviously, I installed a distro on a separate disk that happened to be the first disk that Zorin sees. Mm. And now the uh, UEFI entry for Zorin doesn't work anymore. Just immediately goes back to the UEFI. Um, at, at a point in time, it was Fedora. So Fedora actually listed the Zorin kernels in there. So I mean, I didn't nuke anything. It was all there. Mm-hmm. The files were there and everything. And I could choose the Zorin kernel and get into Zorin. But I had to do that by choosing Fedora to get to Zorin. Oh. So, so could you use like Refind or something maybe? Sure. I, I could do that. But the problem though is that once I got rid of Fedora, so did any link <laughs> to Zorin. And you just had to hope that the next, you had that number one, you had to repair it if you wanted to continue on. Yeah, you could use boot repair or something, right? Right. Or number two, you had to hope that the next distro you installed on the separate disk happened to pick up on Zorin and <laughs> add it into its own, right? So, I mean. Oh, boy. Again, not a Zorin issue, just that was frustrating. And then on the. The light version, which has all the cool stuff, but XFCE, and it was very, very yep. fast. Um, the full disk encryption option is immediately visible on the install page. That is awesome. I love that, especially if you're going to be taking this you know, machine around mm-hmm. 
yeah. and you're afraid of someone running off with it, and maybe you have, I don't know. I don't know what kind of pictures you put on there. I don't know. Well, or, <laughs> you know, you just save it your credit card numbers or something. Credit card numbers, that's why, yes. Yeah, um, totally. Right. So, you know, the, the encryption thing was there, and again, I think it's a, a ubiquity thing. The mm-hmm. encryption just wasn't there in core. Like, well, it was, but you had to click advanced, and then you had to enable LVM, and then it right, enabled right, the right. encryption thing, Where uh, whereas... In 18.04 or the, you know, 15.2 light version, uh, mm-hmm. you just checked encryption and it was encrypted. The end. It took yep. care of the LVM jazz and all that stuff for you. But yeah, uh, just it was a more yeah. difficult time. And I think that just it stemmed from uh, things that just got inherited from Ubuntu. Yeah, absolutely. That was, you know, the stuff that was inherited. So. So real quick, before we finish out the segment, how did okay. light go for you? Light went amazingly well on Tater Top. On Tater a hundred and sixty on Passmark, by the way. Amazingly it, well. Amazingly well. Like it's I showed up I, I yeah, it's still running. And uh that's just yeah. amazing in itself. Yeah. Now you are not probably going to watch a whole bunch of full screen, you know, high def uh, YouTube videos on this thing, but it will play them a little bit stuttery. But um, if you make it a little smaller and, you know, make the resolution a little less. Um, Q720p and not, not, you know, 4K. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you even want to go 480. I don't know. Yeah, I can see that. Um, um, but it worked. And, uh, I, so I used this machine previously and I could picture doing it again for like a, uh, portable serial console for, you know, connecting to network switches and stuff like that in the, in the serial console and stuff like that. Um, because it's a nice little light laptop and I can set up Minicom on there and I yes! can... Yes! Oh, Minicom! Oh, straight to my heart. I love it. I hate Cisco I can, switches, I can though. jump right into the console terminal on on something like that and, uh, yeah. It, and if it fell off a ladder or something because I was trying to, you know, plug into a switch and it just slipped, uh, like, I wouldn't feel bad about it, right? Because it's, you know, tater top. Oh, poor Tater Top. I would feel bad. You might not feel bad. I would feel bad for Tater Top because I love the name Tater Top. Um, <laughs> my my, probably... my laptop is pretty similar. I mean, okay. So as far as Passmark goes, it's about six times faster. I could yeah. do, uh, I wouldn't need to do 1080p video because uh, the, the, the screen itself was like 768. So, I mean, I would do 720p. Yeah. But once I got it there, maybe a stutter or two mm-hmm. during a long video or something like that, but it 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 very it generally ran well. So no. this this is a testament to XFCE. This is a testament to the oh. Ubuntu base, and this is the testament to the tweaks that Zorin does to yep. their desktop. It's yeah. solid. I think it deserves the light name. It's light enough. Maybe don't give it five twelve megs of RAM, but it's light enough that if you have a laptop from when did you say that laptop was minted? Twenty ten. 20 t- so if you've got a laptop that's approximately a decade old, maybe younger, um, it's going to run just fine on light. And you can save that laptop from the trash heap. Or if it's in the trash heap, you take it and put Zorin put light, light on it. On it yeah. mm-hmm. And it's going to run great. So my last, uh, my last little thing is the Zorin that we were using for light is not mm-hmm. 2004 yet. It's still on it 1804. 
So I, I'm waiting for it. I'm gonna try it when sixteen oh when 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 the twenty oh four version, uh, Zoran OS sixteen Lite comes out. I do want to give it a spin just to see what's going on with it. Yeah. But I imagine it's it's gonna perform pretty much the same as it as it does now. Probably pretty close. I know there were some changes with XFCE for you know between eighteen oh four and twenty oh four. So maybe it's a little different, but I can't I I can't imagine it's a lot different. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, all right, so, final thoughts on Core. Oh, Core is very solid. I could, if you had something that I would call you needed to be, like, a workstation, very stable, um, good good choice. Yep. I, I think uh, if, if you use Core, choose one of the appearances, it's like if Windows 11 and Mac OS got together and had a free and open source baby, it, it would look like this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it would behave like this, but it would look like this. Sure. I, I think. I think it's super sleek. Um, it is also familiar, and that makes a huge difference to folks that are new coming in. Um, and yeah, you mentioned the workstation thing. That is for real. the mm-hmm. the The thing that I immediately understood when I got into it was that it's on an Ubuntu twenty oh four base, so I trust it. Yeah. Um, because I do my work on 2004, uh, well, a base, uh, Linux Mint, every mm-hmm. single day. And if somehow Linux Mint were to just poof off of existence mm-hmm. today, I would probably just use Zorin. There would be no right. reason for me not to do it. And final, final thought on Core is uh, because they're so close, because Linux Mint and Zorin are so close, they're based off the same thing, they're GTK based, um, it's... Zorin is what Linux Mint would have been had they not forked and made cinnamon. Yeah. Th- this is what Linux Mint would have looked like. I mean, the, the general well, Windowsy, y kind of feel, Windows 7 kind of feel when you're first presented with the desktop, they both do it the same way. Yeah. And, well, and I love like, it. Even like one of the articles I read, I don't remember which one it was, but they kind of compared... Uh, Zorin to Linux Mint at the time and said, you know, like Linux Mint might be a little more mature, but they're very mm. similar. And so they gave you, well, back then, multimedia codecs were a thing, right? Not everybody had those. And so they both gave you that. So they gave you that easy to use, um, but solid, you know, feel um, even back then. Yep. Yep. So Zorin OS 16 in my eyes, uh, and this is not a slur or in any way a put down, Zorin OS 16 is Linux Mint GNOME. That's what it is. Yeah. And I love it for that. It is, it's fantastic. If, if I wanted a bit more GNOME feel to my desktop, easy, easy choice just to move over to Zorin. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. I have extra feathers for your pillow. Nice. The Linux and open source community has some fantastic resources, and we want to make sure to highlight that. In our showcase for this episode, we want to draw your attention to Keep It Techie, which has both Keep It Techie YouTube and Keep It Techie Odyssey uh, channels, um, plus a whole social community behind it. So Josh does an amazing job explaining basic and advanced Linux things um, to everyone, and he does some fantastic interviews, so I, I highly recommend the the content, Leo. Um, have you had a chance to check it out? Yes, 
I, I spent some time on his channel, and one of the things that stuck out to me was an interview that he had with, and I hope I'm remembering this right, Digital Empress. Um, mm -hmm. And they were, they, they were just back and forthing about everything tech, but it was focused on tech employment and jobs mm -hmm. and where to start and how you move up the ladder and what kinds of things to focus on and what it means to be a woman in tech. And mm -hmm. just lots of the stuff that um that that I hear generally, because there's a lot of people in the channels that we frequent that are not just looking at Linux as an alternative to Windows and Mac. They're looking at Linux as a job opportunity. Sure. And I think one of the things that um that Josh does is he pulls that part of the community or or the conversation into the things that he does. It's not just entertainment. It's also right. practical advice from people that are in the industry right now, telling you, showing you, explaining to you how to navigate that stuff. Yeah. Because a, a lot of times that's hard to do just in general. And I think, I think he pulls it off. I think he pulls it off very well. And of course, I mean, the other stuff on the channel is entertaining too, but I mean, I, I yeah. think that was the one thing that, that I think a lot of channels just don't have that mm -hmm. Josh is bringing. Um, and it's, it's, it's a good stuff. It's really good stuff. So if you're, um, if you're looking for how to move up in the, in the world or something like that, um, mm -hmm. you know, he's, he's somewhere you can check out and you can get a lot of good insight, uh, from. Well, and I think the content is just so well-rounded. Like, so you, you get things of like cybersecurity, um, yeah. you get, you know, you get under the hood Linux system administration stuff. You get, he talks about desktops and, and, you know, things like that too. So, I mean, it's just, it's just so well-rounded. Um, yep. I, I think it's fantastic. There's something for everyone, um, I, I think to find here. So links in the show notes. You can feel free to send your emails to contact at linuxuserspace.show and we'll talk about them on the show. We love our patrons. In fact, we've got a new patron who has joined us live even for this episode, mm -hmm. Josh. And thank you very much for your patronage. But if you want to join them, um, you can head on over to patreon.com slash linuxuserspace. Yep. So what, what Dan's talking about, by the way, uh, if you want in on the live listening of this recording right here, right now, um, mm -hmm. that is, yeah, just go to Patreon, uh, sign up for the producer tier, and when we sit down and record this show, you can sit, listen, and watch. You'll also, I mean, depending on your, your tier, you'll get access to, you know, early episode releases, yep. uh, little special content nuggets here and there that we throw out. Um, certainly great stuff. We have our matrix room. You can head on over there at linuxuserspace.show slash matrix and our telegram group, linuxuserspace.show slash telegram. We have some pretty good conversations over there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Linus thing. We hashed it out over there. Mm, we went along pretty good on that. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that almost made the show. It almost made the show. But if you look at the clock right now, you can see why it didn't make the show. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> but there's a lot of good discussion there. The Matrix group, the Telegram group, and what uh, Dan's obviously about to say. Oh, uh, this, next, this next group 
the Linux user space dot show slash discord. So now you'll, you'll, I mean, Leo's done some fantastic work there and he's created this news and links, um, you know, announcement, um, uh, channel and, uh, you'll get some great stuff out of there because Leo and I drop all sorts of good stuff and it blasts all over the place. So if you're interested in what's going to be in a topic show before the topic show releases, that's where we pull all that stuff from now. It used to just be between me and Dan, but I was like, eh, maybe we maybe we share it. Maybe we let everybody know what we're going to talk about, and maybe we get some more opinions about what's coming in and out of a topic show or something like that. So that's what it is. Join the Discord. You'll see those first. They, they make their way into the other channels too, but mm-hmm. Discord first and uh, check that stuff out. You can follow us on Twitter at Linux User Space to get all the latest announcements for this show and for highlights or things that impact your user space. You can watch our faces on YouTube, uh, linuxuserspace.show slash YouTube. Or you can also f- watch our faces on Odyssey, linuxuserspace.show slash Odyssey. Our latest uh, social edition is Reddit. You can find us, our little subreddit, over on linuxuserspace.show slash Reddit. And I think what I'm going to do is cross post the Discord stuff to Reddit. That way there's like a, a solidified version of the stuff, plus an additional place to, to converse. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. That's a good idea. I like your thinking. Uh, lastly, don't forget to rate this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. There's many. And like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube and Odyssey. You can always get more information on our website, linuxuserspace.show. Push up your glasses, because here we I, go. I got it. We're good. But I'm focus. new ones on Monday, hopefully. Hey, I'm I'm due. I'm, I need to get my eyes checked here pretty quick. It's probably going to happen before year end, and I'll probably have some new specs too. So yeah, yeah. Luckily for me, because this is totally um, you know important to the show, um, my eyes have not <laughs> degraded over the past couple of years as much as they normally do. So either A, I'm getting really old and my eyes are just, they've just had it. They're like, well, this is as bad as I'm going to get. Or, um, I don't know, I got lucky for a little bit. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so, okay. All right, enough of, the, enough of the eyeball thing. Let's focus on this app. We teased it a while back because I just want to be done with Google. I, don't, I, just, I want to be done with Google this and Google that. And, yes, there are compromises. But what we settled on was sync thing. Yeah, I think we're there, Leo. I think yeah. we're there. Wait, look. I, I, I just gave you, and it'll, I mean, you won't hear that. Well, the patrons will hear this, but you won't hear this uh, before mm. the thing goes out. But the cutting room floor stuff, I synced yeah. it earlier today. So that is now in Dan's hands and he can now upload videos and all of that kind of stuff. And all I had to do was drag it into a folder. It mm-hmm. was. Yeah, it's slick. It's so easy. Okay. Getting it set up is a little, is, is, I'd say, a little counterintuitive, maybe. I mean, you got to go and know. choose a folder. and Yeah, once you get your folder structure set up, um, it was kind of like exchanging SSH keys, I guess. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, the, the public SSH key thing. And then once you had that in place, stuff just sinks. Yes. So th- this, is, this is what I love. If you can get over the initial hump of, you know, trading that key and choosing your folder which is not any harder than doing like the Google Drive sync thing. Um, uh, no. You 
have this folder now that if you ever put anything into it, there's now a second copy, assuming that, you know, thing is not 70 gigs or whatever. There's, there's yeah. an, an exact replica copy now on whoever's machine that you shared it with. And if it goes poof, well, there's another copy somewhere else right. and it's okay. Um, so uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. What is Sync Thing? Sync Thing is a syncing app. It, you choose a folder or folders and it syncs with its destination location, which is what you choose. And in our case, my case, that's Dan's computer on the folder right. he chose. Um, right. But I could also do it locally where I could have two or three desktops and share between those desktops or just anything. If, if it's yeah, internet you can have connected. multiple machines though here too, right? So you right. can have multiple machines syncing. So say I wanted to share something with my work machine or a VM I have somewhere and I could just drop it in the folder and it'll sh sync across all of those once they're online. Yep. 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 Exactly. Exactly. So you're only really limited by your bandwidth, but that's true. For Google Drive and Absolutely. OneDrive and everything else too, it's not like you can upload faster with SyncThing or anything. But you won't upload any slower either, as long no, as the, the other end can download as fast as you're giving. So, mm -hmm. why would anybody want this? And I said it at the top of the segment, just so I could, we could get away from the Google stuff. We could finally yeah. just be done with it. We have Cody. Well, it's not Cody anymore. It's HedgeDoc. Yep. Um, for for getting our shows together, putting it together. It's all done in Markdown. It's got really nice uh, regular view as well. So you're not looking yep. at what looks like code, essentially. Um, and sync thing to move our files around. I mean, Dan's about to give me a 15 gig file. I'm just, that's not even an exaggeration in any way whatsoever. If you, no. <laughs> if you remember months ago, I was, I was joking about how big the wave files were. We've gone flack since then, but there were, there were, why were they twice as big? We never, we I never figured that out. I don't, I think it was the quality level or something that I was exporting them as. I'm not sure. I don't know. Whatever. But either way, either way, uh, the flax are now uh, good to go. They're, they're not weird sized yeah, or anything like big. that. But it's, it, we just put it in the, in the folder. We just put yeah. it in the folder. That's why you want it. Because after you hit that initial setup, all you got to do is put it in the folder. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's where it needs to be. So... I mean, that also answers the question of how we use it. We use it to send files to each other, essentially. Yeah, we're, we're using it to send files. But like, if you, if you wanted to use it on your own, I have another folder um, that I use SyncThing with. And like I said, I can put all my stuff that I, that I might want to possibly use at work um, in that folder, right? Yeah. And, and, um, but I can share it with my laptop as well in the other room. Mm -hmm. Or if I have a VM someplace that... Um, I got, and I can, I can sync it between all of those and they're all at the same version, same level. And I didn't have to use a cloud service to, to, to make that happen. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, technically sync thing does a little cloud proxy thing, but I mean, but well, it's it not does proxying, but right, right. Yeah. But you're not, you're not sharing any information with sync thing right. outside of the endpoints. You're not, um, you're not storing anything in sync thing nope. either. And that is the beauty of it. It's, mm -hmm. it's about as private as you're going to get after you put something on the internet. And I mean, I think, I think you, dear listener, well, are uh, as aware as I am that nothing on the internet goes away except encrypted stuff because you can't see it anyway. Well, it is encrypted in transit. So exactly. There you go. 
Exactly. So keep the prying eyes out, and that includes uh, Big Brother and all of that kind of good stuff. And I, I can accept Dan's 15 gigabyte video file for, you know, for fun. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll drop it in there either tonight or tomorrow morning, and yep. uh, it'll just show up in his uh, folder when it gets done. Exactly. And then, and then you know, I, I chuck it in NextCloud for safekeeping, just in case I don't mm-hmm. know, maybe, maybe both of our computers blow up, you know, because backups, right? Backups well, equals yeah. backups minus one, uh, as, as we have mentioned before. So, um, but yeah, the, the, the thinking uh, part of it is just so simple. I, I can't get enough of it. So yeah. I feel I like... I guess it goes to the back. Speaking of backups, though, one of your backups should be offsite. And this helps you do that very mm-hmm. easily. Exactly. Dan is my offsite backup. And I'm Dan's offsite backup. So yep. we, we're covering so many bases doing so many good, um, just good recommended things just by setting this up it's cool yep absolutely so i guess we come to the point of the of the segment where i ask you dan uh but i feel like i already know the answer will you use it Uh, yeah absolutely (laughs) it was obvious it was obvious i'll use it today how's that sound of course yes yes i'm gonna use it today he's gonna use it today we're gonna sync everything up it's it's the easy button oh man i've i've I'm not normally this excited about software. I'm really not. I think maybe there's excitement in the app, app focus uh, because I do use that software, but I don't think anything gets me as excited as removing Google from my mm-hmm. life. It just, it's, an, it's another level, and I'm, I've, I've met that threshold now, so I'm very, very happy. It does feel like a weight is lifted off. I feel it. Right, right. I feel like maybe the wheat tea has something to do with it. I don't mm-hmm. know, but I mean, also mostly Google. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next time. So we um, obviously need to pick our next distro, Leo. And, I'd wait, um, I thought we said we weren't doing distros anymore. Oh, okay. Ah, no, nah, I'm just kidding. We're <laughs> no, we're totally going to do that. We're going to, we're going to, you know, a month, we're going to do a distro. Well, two episodes anyway. I think we did and, the math. Uh, uh, we're we're going to be done uh, with all distros that exist in the Linux ecosystem sometime in 2050. Is that right? Yeah, maybe. I don't yeah. know. The show has pretty much written itself from now until forever. So that's yeah, pretty yeah. great. Basically. Um, But. Uh, we would love it if you could follow along as we check out this next one. Uh, we are going to try out Void Linux. Oh, oh, oh. If you didn't get it from the intro, <laughs> it's apparent now. Void Linux. Mm. So, Dan, do you even know? Like, I don't I don't know. I don't follow Void Linux. I've, I've talked with um, one of the contributors to Void before. But okay, cool. I don't actually know why i'd want to use void do you do you know i mean look truth truth time uh i personally don't really go that far and that deep into looking up into these distros i'm just like ah that sounds good so <laughs> well yeah, beforehand afterwards though however we study uh, very in depth well, of all of these distros for the ob- whole entire month just about obviously it takes a while yeah yeah the history part is is really where it's at for us anyway um so void is an independent distro not based on something else yes so that's one of the reasons why we want to check it out and give you the history there of the you know void um, why 
what is the claim to fame, I guess? Um, well, I think, I don't know. I, from what I know, it's kind of like BSD meets Arch sort of thing. Oh. Potentially. Okay. okay. Or at least from the little bit that I have actually used it. Well, something, something some, Trident BSD void yeah, something well, BSD. Tri so, Trident's gone. That's not a thing right. anymore. But, but didn't didn't somebody like do something with Trident and then merge it into Void or there, there's some kind of relationship well, there? I think the mentality is the same, right? So it's kind of a you know got that um, got that sort of mentality. Um, it doesn't use System D, so there's that. Okay, that might be a reason why someone might want to use this. Um, oh. It's got a different init system, so there's you know. Um, no know. system control enable over here. You know what? Okay. We're going to find out. We're going to do it for a month. We're going to see what is really great about it. And uh, we're going to dive into the history. We'd love it if you could join us. You know, jump on into Telegram, Discord, Matrix, email, Reddit, you name it. You, yep. you let us know how you feel about it and uh, how, how it's working for you. And uh, that'll be great. Yep. But with that, and we've been trying out Zorn for the last month. That means our next show will be topic-based. And so we've got a few things planned. Um, you'll find those in the news section. Maybe some of them. Um, there might be some other things that we pull out of our hat, too. So, Well, thank you, everybody, for listening and for your support. So where can we find you, Dan? You can find me at KC2BZ on Twitter. And you can find me at Leo Chavez at the same place. Join us in two weeks when we return to the Linux user space. Ah, uh, let me see. Void, <clears throat> man. What is, what is Void? Void, about? yeah. Oh, all right, so full confession. Uh, mm -hmm. I did spin up a little VM there. I don't know if you saw my screenshot, right, Leo? Oh, did I? That, I didn't. That's where I tested LXQ uh, 1.0. What? Yeah, that was the screenshot that I sent. Oh, no. I do remember that. That's right. Yep. So it is. But, but I still don't know. The general purpose operating system based on blah, blah, blah. Packages allows you to install... Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, it does have its own packaging, packager, package system, right? It does. It's different. Follow <laughs> Twitter, contribute. Not a fork. Stable rolling. Stable rolling. Those two words do not go together. Because technically, Arch is stable rolling. They don't give you beta software. They give you the full version of the released software. It's just that the released software has bugs in it. So, um, I mean, I don't know, stable from Void's point of view, but, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not.